We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings 3. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And again, I ask that you would teach us and that you would speak to us. Your word is living and your Holy Spirit is here in our midst. Father, that you would speak to us individually, corporately, We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. The year was 1996. It's before some of you were born. (laughs) I was pastoring um, another church. We had been there uh, seven and a half years. And the year before, 1995, I was fed up with church stuff, and I resigned. I was tired of church politics, pettiness, and I wanted out of church. But it was me wanting out, and and, um, I was burned out. I'd been beat up. Not physically, but you know, in every other way possible. Um, but it wasn't God's time. I knew that um, I was frustrated, that I was fed up, that I was personally like just I'd had enough. But that it wasn't God's time and God's leading. And so, I humbled myself, I do that once in a while, and I um, went to the elder board and, and I admitted that it was just purely out of my own frustration, my own being tired of the way I saw church being done, and acting out of frustration and instead of waiting on God's leading, I, I was wrong. and And, and so, I stayed uh, for another year. Um, it was actually 1996, coming kind of back to the beginning, and we'd been there about another year, and and knowing that instead of just leaving out of frustration and and being upset, that we needed to wait for God's timing. And so, in the middle of this, just waiting for God's timing and wondering what what, what God was doing. I got up one morning as usual uh, to spend just time alone with the Lord. Um, In my Bible reading, I was in the book of Ezekiel. And so I kind of turned to where I was in Ezekiel and I started reading. And as I started reading, it was like God 
opened up and what I was reading, God used those words and spoke very clearly to my heart and my mind. Now is the time. I turned in my resignation that day. <coughs> Two weeks later, we were gone. But what a huge difference. And uh, the church that I resigned from uh, to this day are wonderful supporters of our ministry. Um, a lot of the people in the church itself because rather than doing something out of my own frustration and my own I've had enough, um, waiting on God and to hear his voice made all the difference in the world. That still small voice just sending deep conviction to my heart, now is the time. Well, when we, when we, I resigned and we, we were done two weeks later, we were out, we were unemployed, um, really had absolutely no idea how God was going to move us forward from that point on, except we had this firm conviction of what God wanted us to do, which is what we're doing now and a confidence that we'd heard from God, that we'd heard his voice. God delights when we listen. Um, you know, he delights also when we pour out our hearts to him and in worship and, and in intercession, supplication. Um, you know, the Psalms say, just pour out your hearts to the Lord. The Lord lo loves it when we pour out our hearts. But he, he loves it when we listen. I mean, for those of us that are parents, um, we can understand. Or if you've worked with little kids. Um, you know, when, when your kids are they're whining and they're begging and they're self-focused and self-centered. and I mean, all you want to say is just be quiet and listen. I think God probably if he was like us, would, would want to say that a lot. <laughs> would you all just be quiet and listen? Most of us are way better at talking than listening, right? It's interesting. I have, I've had some people tell me, you know, I'm a really good listener. And then for the next 20 minutes, all I'm doing is listening to them <laughs> as they're convincing me of the good listener they are. But, most of us are better at talking than listening. Isn't it true that, you know, for a lot of us, when we're supposed to be listening to someone as they're talking to us, that what we're really doing is thinking about what we're going to say when they finally quit talking? Um, and I think it's often no different in prayer for us as we're in the midst of several weeks here of talking about prayer. Um, that how many of us, I wonder, do way more talking in prayer also than we do listening? Uh, way more telling God what he already knows than hearing from him what we don't know and what we need to hear. Often prayer becomes this grocery list of requests and expectations and we would say 
things that we would want God to do, really oftentimes demands that we expect him to do. Uh, treating God like a vending machine instead of him being our heavenly father that we come before <coughs> the creator, Lord of the earth, our master, that we desperately need to hear from in order to know what we should do. Listening in prayer is so important, yet so often it's neglected. And with horrible consequences, be, before we look at 1 Kings, I, turn to 2 Chronicles, if you would. We're going to just look at, we're going to contrast just for a couple minutes here. Two men, Saul, who was the first king of Israel, and David, who was the second king of Israel. But I want you to notice just the huge contrast between these two guys, and it specifically has to do with how the one listened to God and the other didn't. Second Chronicles 10. Um, I'm sorry. First Chronicles 10. I'm... I'm, sorry, I'm having a hard time concentrating because all I'm trying to do is keep the pages from blowing <laughs> in the Bible here. So, First Chronicles 10, verses 12 through 14. This, this is a description of Saul, the first king of Israel, anointed by Samuel. It says, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. And so the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Saul wasn't a man who inquired of the Lord, meaning he said, God, what do you want me to do? Um, then 1 Samuel, just the contrast between Saul and David. 1 Samuel 23. 1 1 to 4. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the threshing floors, David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord answered him, Go attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Well, here in Judah we are afraid. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? So once again David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Keilah, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. And then drop down to verse 9. When David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod. And David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy the town on account of me. <clears throat> Will the citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will. And again, David asked, will the citizens of Keilah surrender me and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, they will. And it goes on and on and on. I just want you to see the difference between Saul and David and Saul being this man who didn't inquire of the Lord. And he came to the end and God rejected him as king. And David, this man after God's own heart, who just repeatedly and continually, and it's a beautiful story as you read through David's life. 
of how he inquires of the Lord and, and there's victory. And if it was us, so often what we would do, we'd say, well, God worked that way, so let's write a book on it and encourage everybody to do it that way, right? And that's kind of the way it's done today. But then David, the next time, we would inquire the Lord and God would do it in a totally different way. And the next time we'd do it in a totally different way. And so it almost makes it seem like God loves to be inquired of and loves for us to be a people that listen to him. So how can we be better listeners? That's what we're going to just talk about for a few minutes this morning as we continue to talk about being people of prayer. What will make us better listeners instead of just talkers in our relationship with God? So in 1 Kings 3, I'd like to read the first 10 verses if you'd follow along with me. Um, and this is one of my, I, I love this passage as it talks about Solomon here. Solomon um, is the son of David, and he's the one that God placed into the kingdom after David. Solomon made an alliance, verse 1, with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter, he brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, meaning the same statutes, precepts, law of the Lord that his father David followed. Solomon did the same thing, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places because the temple wasn't built yet. Verse, uh, the next verse, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. And while he was doing that at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. It's kind of like one of those genie in a bottle things, right? Like, whatever you want, Solomon, it's yours. Man, what would you ask for? I want some confession. No, you don't have to. What would we ask for? Anything, God says. Whatever you ask, whatever you wish, it's yours. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among people too numerous to count or number, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. I like that, how it ends there. The Lord was pleased 
with how Solomon answered. And as a result, and we're not going to read it, God gave him everything that he probably was maybe wishing he had asked for. And he became the wisest and most wealthy and most king of the most amazing people at the time. So how can we become better learners? God says, ask whatever you wish. And Solomon asks for what we're talking about this morning, to be, have a listening heart. That's literally what it says. It's translated here, discerning heart, but literally it's the word to hear, to listen. Solomon says, I want to have a listening heart. I want to have a heart, God, that hears your voice. When you speak, I hear what you say. And where, where, where did he get that from? I think he got it from his dad. <laughs> I mean, he, he had a dad that inquired and listened, and he saw God do amazing things with this shepherd boy who was the youngest of all of his brothers, seven brothers, taking care of the sheep, and God took him from that sheepfold and made him to be a king over a mighty people, God's people. And how did he do that? He did that by listening to God, by inquiring of God, by not saying, okay, I got it now. I got this figured out. I can do this. But time after time after time after time, he kept coming back to God, inquiring and listening from God. And so amazingly, Solomon asks for that same heart. God, I want to have a heart that listens to you, that hears your voice. Why did he want that? I, I think it, it's really clear, and as, as we look at it, I, I think it just lays the foundation for the kind of people God is looking for to, have a, to be a people of listening hearts. Notice he says two things, you know, just kind of the foundation there. It says, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David. And the next verse down, he's, this, he's offering a thousand burnt offerings. Those are two foundations that are really key, I think, to, to, to why Solomon was a man who ended up asking for a listening heart. And it's going to be important for us, too. If we're going to have a listening heart, first of all, we've got to be people that are, that are people of the book. <laughs> because having a, a heart that hears God isn't a heart that just you know, sits out in the woods with our legs crossed and... And just kind of like waits for some word. This isn't some kind of mystical thing we're talking about. This is, we're, we're talking about a person who has a relationship with God. And that starts with being a person of the book. Because I guarantee you, God will never speak to you or to me in a way that conflicts with this book. So how are we going to know? In fact, I have a friend, a wonderful friend. I, I love him. He's a Buddhist. And I asked him one time because he was telling me about an amazing experience he'd had. And, and I'd asked him, well, how do you know it was God? And he, he said, I don't know. But it was, a, it was an amazing experience and one that I'll never forget and it changed my life. Well, how do you know it was God and it wasn't 
you know, even the devil appears as an angel of light to deceive us and maybe even make us think it's God. How do you know it was God? And he, and he didn't know. Well, how, do, how can we know as we hear from God and, that it's God? It, Got to be a people of the book. That's the place to start in building a relationship with God. But the second is in being, if we're going to be a people that hear from God, it's not only being a people of the book, but it's being a people who are in right relationship with God because, notice, we're constantly in right relationship with, like Solomon was, a thousand burnt offerings. You know what those burnt offerings were? They were whole burnt offerings where he was coming before God, making things right with God, nothing between him and God, wholly giving himself afresh to God. And he was kind of a fanatic about it. It's <laughs> a lot of blood. It's a lot of burnt offerings. But he was a man that so desperately wanted to be in right relationship with God. In Isaiah 59, it talks about, you know, the Lord's not too He's not deaf that he can't hear us, but why doesn't he hear us, and, and why don't we hear him? It's because there's stuff that gets between us and him. And Solomon was a man that didn't want that to happen, and so he was a man, that's why the burnt offerings, and so he's a man of the word, and he's a man who's constantly making sure that there's nothing between him and his Lord. And that's where it starts. If we want to hear from God, we've got to be in the book, and we've got to be constant. Like it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. So there's nothing between us and him, and we can hear him. Okay? So with that as a starting point, flip down to verse 6. As Solomon leads up to his request... There's three things that Solomon recognizes that are so important for us to get if we're going to be a people that understands how important it is to listen, and we do listen. Number one, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart, and you have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne to this very day. Number one, we've got to recognize that great loving kindness I think that that's one of the reasons that maybe why we aren't listeners and we're just talkers is because are we convinced that God is good yeah. if anyone's parked on the street the wrong way you'll get ticketed so if you're parked the wrong way yeah but if you're parked the right way good job Meaning if you're on the right-hand side of the road, you're parked this way. Left-hand side, you're parked this way. <laughs> you're parked in the direction of traffic. Yeah. All right. I lost my place, so I'm going to just start over. <laughs> so why does he ask for a listening heart first of all because he, he, he recognizes God's great loving kindness the word is chesed and it's the word that's, that, that can be translated it's, it's translated 
loyal love, covenant love, faithful love, loving kindness, mercy. And it's basically, it's referring to the fact that God will always be faithful to his people, to those who are his. Do we believe that? That God always has our good in mind? That God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him? That's what Solomon believes. Number one, that God's loyal love will always be there. And then he goes on, he says, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child. And I don't know how to carry out my duties. Humility. I mean, this, this guy's not a little child, okay? He's the king of God's people. He's the chosen heir. He's an adult. But he recognizes his need to hear from God because he recognizes how needy he is. He recognizes first how great God's loving kindness is. But number two, he realizes how desperately needy he is. And honestly, if, if, if we were to simply summarize why we talk more than we listen to God, it's because we think we got it handled. Right? That we don't need God. That we got things managed. And that's what's really astounding as we look at the life of David is because time after time after time after time, victory after victory, he keeps inquiring of God. And man, I tell you, that is often not how I am because I am, and, we, and I'm more like often the book of Judges, you know, where things are desperate and I cry out to God and I listen to his voice and his loving kindness is great and he shows his mercy and he delivers me and things are good. And then what do I do? I think I got it handled. And I quit listening to God and I fall away from God. And I become separated from God. And, and so God has to remind me in his loving way, which sometimes can be painful. And then things get rough. And I cry out to God. And I listen. And, and, and so often our lives are that cycle, right? Solomon recognizes his great neediness. He says, I'm only a little child. I don't know how to carry out my duties. And then number three, he says this because he says, your servant is here among the people you have chosen. This is God's chosen people. A great people, a numerous people, two count or number. He says, he says not only, God, are they your people, but they're great, they're numerous, they're he says, I am inadequate. But so often we, we have that, I got it handled. And so Solomon, understanding that God's loving kindness is great, that he has been called to lead this great people, and he is not adequate for it. He says, God, what I don't need is a lot of money. And that's often what we'd ask for, right? Because, I mean, with just think what you could do with money. We need to have pro bono labor at the coffee shop. We could just pay to have it all done. 
connections, man, connections. Or, and all the things that we'd ask for, and Solomon asks for a listening heart. And why did he ask for that? Because he's needy, the task he's been called to is great, and God is great. God's great, and his loving kindness is great. And Solomon needs that. And so he says, God, I j just give me a listening heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. And just to reiterate, what is God's response? <laughs> He's pleased. He's delighted. You know, in, in the same way that um, I'm delighted, you know, you know, when I talk to my kids and my kids listen to me, it, I witnessed it yesterday with my grandkids. Um, as our daughter, it's always fun to watch, you know, you spoil them and then it's up to them, you know. As my daughter is um, trying to deal with Titus, one of our grandchildren, and, and as she's talking, he is talking back as fast as she's talking to him. And she's talking, and he's talking back, and she's and he's talking back, and and uh, because you know he's he, because he thinks what he has to say is just as important what she has to say. In fact, it's more important, and it's kind of the way it is with us and God, isn't it? I mean, what we have to say is pretty important. I mean, more important than what God has to say, and until finally she said, "Okay." We're going into the house. We're going to have some discipline. Isn't often that what it comes to? <laughs> when all we are about is talking and not listening, it's like the people in the book of Judges, the people of Israel. We've got to come to the point where we, we, God lets us hit our bottom. He lets us experience the misery of separation if we're going to be a people that aren't going to listen to him. Why is the Lord pleased? Just a couple of things kind of in wrapping it up here. I think, first of all, the Lord's pleased is because Solomon's request wasn't about Solomon. Isn't that a lot of what our prayers end up to be? And maybe not, it might not just be a me, me, me request, but it's, it's, it's a me, me, me about what I'm, you know, for somebody. It's, it's, it's what I think. It's what I think's best. And so often what ends up happening is we end up treating God as if God is our servant. As if we know best and we just got to let God know what is best. That doesn't please God. But Solomon's request isn't about Solomon because Solomon sees himself Kind of like Samuel does, what Eli told Samuel to say when, when the Lord stood and said, Samuel, Samuel, and, and, Eli, and, and he kept thinking it was Eli calling, and finally Eli discerned that it was the Lord, and he says, when you hear Samuel, Samuel, just say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. And so God, God is delighted because because Solomon realizes it's not about him. It's about this great task that God has given him to do that he can't do unless he listens to God. 
and God leads. And the results are amazing. In verse 28 in this chapter, it says, When all Israel heard the verdict that the king had given, kind of the first instance when the two prostitutes brought to Solomon one dead baby and one live baby, and everybody's wondering, wow, what's he going to do? Because they're both claiming that the live baby is theirs. And because Solomon had asked for a listening heart, God gave him wisdom. And all Israel heard the verdict and they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Because he was a man who listened to God. A listening heart. Well, I wish that... Um, Solomon would have kept listening. What anybody we all know we what happened to Solomon, don't we? Any of you read the book of Ecclesiastes? The theme of it is Solomon writing saying vanity, vanity, all is vanity, emptiness, em everything's empty and because Solomon came to the point to where he quit thinking he was a little child, thought he had it all together. Quit being a person of the book. Quit worrying about keeping things right in his relationship with God. He quit listening. And in 1 Kings 11, it says that he began listening to his wives, which were many, a thousand, who loved other gods. And instead of listening to God, he began listening to them, and they led, them, led him away from God. And his life that began so full, emptied, so empty, emptiness, emptiness, all is empty. That's the, that's the book of Ecclesiastes because he quit listening to God. Solomon's life is kind of that life of, wow, an example of what to do, an example of not what to do. Dear people, we need to do what Solomon did at the beginning of his life, not the end of his life. We need to be people who listen to God. Just four things I'd like to summarize just from these verses. We need to recognize that listening to the Lord is what pleases the Lord. Just like, just like parents with their kids. Man, I love it when I love being in a relationship with my kids. If, if, if all they ever did was beg, beg, whine, whine, plead, plead. And that's what would we think as parents? We'd think, man, this is a... What do you think? I mean, that's what God must think a lot of times. That's all we come to do is ask. And, we'll, and we might rationalize, well, I'm asking for somebody else. But we still think we know what's best. We're asking. We're not listening. It delights the Lord as a father, as our father. Because the Lord loves to be in relationship with us as people. He, he wants to hear our heart cries. But he wants us to come before him like little children to hear his voice. It pleases the Lord. Number two, listening to the Lord exalts the Lord as Lord and we as his servants. Like Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Think about that. When you go to prayer and, and you begin to realize, man, all I'm doing is talking. It exalts the Lord as Lord and we as his servants when we listen. Number three, it acknowledges our own neediness. We're needy people. 
We've been created to be in a relationship with God. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. God alone is the I am. We need Him <laughs> daily, desperately. And listening to the Lord acknowledges our own neediness. Like Solomon, I'm a little child. And listening to the Lord then happens when it's rooted in and never in conflict with his word. Rooted in and never in conflict with his word. You know, listening to, with the Lord, I think a lot of times why people are afraid of it is because it can be abused, just like anything. When I was uh, growing up, I remember one time when a guy came to me in, in church and he was all excited because he had stayed up all night praying and asking the Lord, can you lose your salvation? And God spoke to him and told him, yes, you can. And my advice to him was, maybe you should have spent less time talking and more time reading because if you would have got just read the Bible, you could have found out that God is the one who saves and keeps, <laughs> secures. So maybe you weren't really listening from God. You thought you were all devoted and, and hearing from God, but it was in conflict with this book. So you weren't hearing from God. It probably was of a bad pizza or something. How do we cultivate listening hearts? So regular time in the word. Don't tell me you're hearing from God if you don't spend time in God's book. Otherwise, who knows who you're hearing from? And that's dangerous, really dangerous. And you don't want to get it secondhand just from somebody else that's writing about this book. That's good, but that's secondary. You've got to get it from this book. We've got to be people of the book. Are you in his word daily? Number two, are you recognizing your neediness? It's how the Beatitudes start, isn't it? Blessed are those who, who are what? Poor in spirit. Recognize their spiritual poverty and they mourn over it and they realize how empty they are and then they hunger and thirst after righteousness. God, I need to hear from you. Regular time in the Word, people who recognize their neediness. And then I think simply it boils down to this, people who shut up, <laughs> be quiet, quit talking, and are still before God. That's what it says in the Psalms, isn't it? Be still and know that I am God. We are too busy, people, way too much of the time. And, and I'm talking to myself. I'm in a, I have just enough time for God to tell him what I need. As if I know better what I need than he does. We need to be quiet. We need to take time. Like the old hymn says, take time to be holy. Take time to be with God. To just be quiet before God. I think the, the pattern is good. We need to start in the word reading it, meditating upon it, and then pondering it. And then as we ponder it, say, God, what do you want to speak to me? How will you speak to me through your word? And then as God speaks, how else will you speak to me? 
So if, if we do that and we still don't hear from God, what do we do? Because you might say, man, I just, I am not hearing from God and I want to hear from God. What might the problem be? Two questions to ask yourself. Do I have sin that needs to be dealt with? In Isaiah 59, remember it says, God says, he's not deaf. (laughs) But our sins have separated us from God. It might need to be that we come back to 1 John 1, 9 and we confess our sins knowing that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and open up that channel again before him. If we're not hearing from him, it might might mean that sin needs to be dealt with. Do you have sin that needs to be dealt with? You can't ignore sin and expect to hear from God. Hear that? You can't be living in sin and expecting to hear from God. It's just not possible because it separates us from God. Is there sin that needs to be dealt with? And then number two, do I need to be quiet before God? One of the funniest passages, but it's also serious passages about this, is in Matthew 17. And Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. I mean, it's an amazing experience. Jesus reveals himself to them in all of his glory. And Elijah and uh, Moses are there, and Peter is overcome, and he falls on his face before God, and he just says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's not what happens, okay? As Jesus reveals himself in, in all of his glory, Peter starts talking, as he usually does, as we usually do, and he says, Jesus, this is an amazing experience. We need to turn this into a camp experience. We need to build some cabins here, one for you and one for Elijah and one for Moses, and we can have conferences here, and we can, I mean, we can, we can write a book about this. We can make a movie about this. This is amazing. I mean, we could replicate this. We could make money doing this and use it to help the poor. And a cloud overshadows them, and a voice from heaven, the heavenly Father says, and it's hard to say this because I, I, I was never supposed to say this when I was growing up. My mom's here this morning. <laughs> and I told my kids never to say this, so I won't say it. You know, the S-H-U-T, S-H-U-T, U-P words. Because it is. So the Father says, be quiet. And listen, this is my beloved son. And you have the chance with him revealing himself to you in all of his glory to listen to him. And you're talking. Isn't that amazing? And that's so often us. I don't know about you, but I want to be a person that hears from God. And as I think back over my life and the significant ways that God has led us, I mentioned at the beginning another one time God woke me up in the middle of the night and all I could think about and pray about and hear from God was about the coffee oasis. And um, we had started the ministry 
and uh, we were looking for a place to have as a drop-in center for youth. And we had seen the coffee oasis for sale and were attracted to it because as a police chaplain, I'd been called to a suicide, somebody that had committed suicide doing vampire Dungeons and Dragons role-playing at the coffee oasis. It was a dark place. And I thought, wow, that'd be so cool, that dark, dark place become a light for the gospel. But it was really expensive. We couldn't afford it, so we forgot about it. And a few months later, God woke me up in the middle of the night, put in my mind a figure of what we could afford with generous loans from our parents, of course. Got up the next morning, and to make a long story short, looked in the paper. It had been taken out of the paper. We called the people. They called us back. They said, well, funny you'd call tonight, just after God spoke to you. Well, they didn't say that. Funny you'd call tonight because we took it out of the paper. We're putting it back in the paper tomorrow at this price, exact price. We signed papers that night because we had heard from God. Man, hearing from God is great because it gives you that confidence and conviction to step out and to live life in faith. <laughs> how God wants us to live. And instead of this dull life of what we can handle and what we think we understand and what we can manage, we can live by faith and we can walk by the Spirit because we've heard from God and we know it's what God wants us to do. And I tell you, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. I want to hear from God. But if we're going to hear from God, we're going to have to be people that be quiet, spend time with Him, Learn to hear his voice. And it might take us some time to do that because, you know, if I hear a voice outside after this, I'm going to recognize a lot of your voices. There's one voice I'm going to hear for sure, my wife. I'm going to hear her voice. I'm going to know my mother's voice. I'm going to know Daniel's voice because do we know God's voice like that? For, for a lot of us, it might be something we have to cultivate. It's, it's only going to happen as we become people of this book and, and then are willing to sit before him and be silent before him and say, God, I want you to speak to me. I want to I hear your voice. I don't want to just be talking and telling you what I need. I want to hear from you what I need and how you'll lead. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I don't think God ever quit talking. It's just that as a people, so often we've quit listening. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a communicating God. You're not a God that quit talking when this book became canonized, but it's living. And even as we read this book, you will speak to us, and you will speak to us through that still, small voice, the, the voice of your Holy Spirit. And, and Father, so many ways... You will speak as we're listening. God, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are listening hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.